0: This is Man, Larry. Larry.
1: What's oh, your Larry, name, brother? Larry. 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 Terry and Larry. Oh, Terry. They're twins. Oh, you are? Can you tell them apart? <laughs> I live. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> people in the street,
2: <laughs> <I'll> don't <admit> with you. I'm not talking to you about that. Hey, boy. It's he nice meeting y'all, brother. I'm kind of like a, a pulling back from Cap Horn. Yeah. Moss <laughs>
3: and
1: Grod, they kind of tell the story
2: you become proud of that name, you know, you just don't like it. Well, people
1: don't even forget it. <laughs> You're right about that. You
2: know, I sell crab that the hospital and help me out. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, you can't no possum,
1: huh? <laughs> no, I think so. Like, give him a long time ago long time ago? Yeah, we, we make possum pie. Is that yeah. wrong with that? Yeah. yeah. I'll I'll something something. I'm sure. Is that is people eating them? It's actually it it? cheating. Okay, so you call it. Go to, uh, the, uh, we hadn't done it in a long time. We had done it. It's in the
4: We found it? Yeah. You gotta, stay
1: down.
4: you
2: gotta stay humble. You know what I mean. How <laughs> right.
1: you
4: hear that? You want me to preach? Doing uh, You're doing good. You do one.
2: They hear me all the time. They want to hear you. Uh,
4: let's uh, let's sing for your humble
2: brother. Oh, it's Gio though. You want him? I think I think
4: yeah. you might want that too. Okay. They played that for me
5: Thank
2: blessing. Good to see you guys.
5: Yeah.
2: Thank you, Lord. Good to be here tonight. Good to be here with like-minded brethren. Praise God. You, Anybody got a testimony tonight? Some them at heart? Well, I want to say first of all, I'm thankful that Lynn came tonight. it has been a while since I've seen him. I'm looking forward to hearing from him. He can sure play that guitar again. Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing your grandmother tonight. What a blessing. It's a great pleasure to have you with us tonight. Thank you. Beautiful woman. Praise the Lord. Can you believe she's a grandmother? I no. It's <laughs> Cedric? 65 years old. 65? Mm-hmm. Well, you're still younger than him and I. <laughs> right, Lynn? <laughs> Brother Don, before you start, uh, you were telling
1: about that, your friend. And uh, I got a, a musician friend I work for with, with Cousins. He's fighting cancer right now. His name is Ronnie Lander. And uh, he's, he's a fighter, I mean, but he's, uh, I know he's trusting God and he's trying to survive this thing. I got him and then a good friend of mine, Adam Morales. He lived on B uh, road going toward Big Lorette. He's got all kind of Cypress stuff. He made the swamp people. You, you know, know Adam Morales. He's, yeah, yeah. his, his hop, is seeing him right now. A few weeks ago, he looked it kind of fine, but I think he's shutting down his organs So Adam Morales and Ronnie and Andrews. If you always griffed uh, it down, I mean, it, it it's very important to me, things like that. People mm-hmm. that you love and friends. And if we take the time, I know y'all, if, yeah. no, 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 I no, hear the good. prayer, so oh, yes, yes. Good. And yeah. I, I, I figure I'd it feel
2: more. I, I want to share, before we pray, I want to share a little testimony I was sharing with Lynn earlier. Um, I heard from, I know a lot of y'all have heard about my friend Rick. It was a, a fellow that I grew up with, and him and I played together, we worked together, we did all kinds of stuff together things, together, things not so good, but we were good, best friends. You know, two little boys hang out together, we did that. And uh, we kept in touch with each other for the last 50 years or so, and, um, and he's about the same age as I am, maybe a year or two younger. And uh, he uh, called me right before Christmas this year, and he uh, called me up, and he was broken on the phone and crying. And I said, hey, Rick, what's up? And he says, uh, man, I, I, I just want to call and invite you to my funeral. And I said, what's going on? He says, uh, well, he says, the doctors have, sent, have given up and sent me home to die. I've got less than two weeks to die. That, that's what they're telling me. So I wanted to have an early Christmas and uh, get my house in order. And I'm, I'm prepared to go. He says, my, I was on a dialysis machine. You don't go on a dialysis machine unless you give me to quit. Says I don't. I was on a dialysis machine, but since I'm coming home, I'm getting off everything. I'm just going to go ahead and just let myself die. He said uh, my kidneys have completely shut down. My liver's 95 percent shut down. My triglyceride is at 12,000. He said it's, I'm at the end. I said, Well, Rick. I said I, I'm going to. We were both weeping on the phone, both crying, you know, and just sad for him and, because he was broken, and I hated to see him hurt, and go through that. And I said I'm going to come pray. I'm, I'm going to come see you. I'm going to come right away and see you. So. So a couple of days I went up and I went to see him and uh, and he was okay with death. He wasn't uh, he wasn't, you know, like all depressed and all. He was like, you know, this is just a fact. And so I'm just getting everything prepared. I got everything going, you know, we did, we'd have Christmas and doing illness and and he was very weak and had lost a lot of weight and didn't have any hair on his head, lost all his hair, looked pretty rough. And I said, well, let's pray. And so I prayed with him and his wife and all, and came back home. And uh, stayed in touch with him, and and uh, called him next week and talked with him and said yes, and then and, and then a couple weeks, week weeks, so I went by and I, and I saw I was getting a phone call from him. You remember I told you guys this, and and uh, I, I looked at the phone. And I told Jill, and I said, "Gosh, it's this it Looks like it's Rick's wife calling me for the funeral arrangements." You know, I said, "I knew the time has come," and I answered the phone, and it was Rick. And he said, and he had energy in his voice. He said, hey, Rick, hey, God, this is Rick. I said, Ricky? He says, yeah. I said, well, you sound energetic. He yeah. said, yeah. He said, God did a miracle. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I've all of a sudden started feeling better. And my wife said, well, let me take you to the doctor. And we went to the doctor. And the doctor said, I don't understand this. Your kidneys were completely dead. They all of a sudden started working again. Your body functions are completely changing. You know, and. Mm-hmm. And it was a complete miracle. And, wow. and, uh, yes. and he said, God just did a miracle. He said, I'm feeling better. I'm, I'm at home. I'm amen. not on dialysis. I'm not on anything. And he said, uh, oh, and so, um, yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. And, and so I talked to him last week. And I said, Rick, uh, how's it going? He said, good. I just came in from a three-mile walk. And he said, right. I'm doing right. great. You know, I feel good. You know, I'm doing everything that, 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 that to do, you know. And he said, everything's coming along real, real good yeah miracle and, he's, and, and I said I said you just, you're my miracle boy I said you were dead and now you're alive I mean th- nobody can nobody can debate that I mean your kidneys had shut down your liver had basically shut down you were you were you were deaf and the doctor sent you home to die and look at the miracle that, that God did in your life so it's just you know you never give up I mean he, two weeks he had less than two weeks to live he said. and God was just like don't ever give up Praying for somebody to be healed, right, yeah, because right. you, you don't know what the Lord's going to do. That's but right. praise Amen. God. So, uh, anybody else have a, a, a request? A request? Um. Uh, Over oh, the Let's start off with prayer for these two requests that uh, Lynn has. Uh, anybody else have a, have a prayer request? Anybody? Everybody okay? Everybody doing great? Thanks mm-hmm. the Lord. Okay. Father, we well, just lift up these two uh, men that uh, Lynn brought forth, God, that, that have cancer, and the other one, uh, both of them look like uh, they're at the wit's end, God, and we know that you're a miracle working God. Yes. And Lord, I, I pray not only that you touch your body, Lord, but that you touch their heart and their soul, God, if things are not right, that. Lord, you use this to bring them to that place they need to be, because that's the most important thing, God, that we have eternal life with you. Lord, we believe in your miracle-working power. We've seen it, God, over and over again, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, as we touch them by faith, Lord. We ask God that you touch them, Lord, and that you raise them up, God, and cause them to walk upright in you, Jesus, and be healed and feel good, and bless them and their families, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for you. Healing power. Thank you, Lord, as we break the request to you, believing that they will come to pass in Jesus Christ's name. And all the saints said, Amen. Thank
5: you, Lord.
2: All right. Go ahead and use the bathroom and we'll um, store. I I know you got to go, man. In a while. I needed
5: to back my neck. I got back
1: trouble and neck, neck trouble.
2: Yeah. Front Lord bless the lens back and it's neck trouble right. too. Oh, right. yeah. 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 Praise the yeah. Lord. And, him you up. and God, oh by the way, I've been having a neck issue too, You're so pray for right me too, <laughs> uh, I, I, I did your sock <laughs> with the rice, Claire, <laughs> yeah. When I took picked a, a pair of socks that had a hole in it. So I had rice going everywhere. And I tied it with a metal thing and put it in the yeah. in the microwave and called a fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's Put a metal tie on you. I said, "Why is the, why is he catching on no fire, Just You got a metal tie on this thing. It's like sparking. It with flames coming out and everything." popcorn, yeah. right. I didn't know you were not supposed to put it in there for five minutes. It went, uh, <laughs> it went kind of crazy. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but Jill and and uh, Cedric massaged on my neck and made me feel better too. Thank you. Everybody, once a year I yeah. see this just in my neck. No, just you right. got one out, right. one out of my own, too. Just Yeah. All right. Don was talking about false prophets. We've been through that somewhat. And uh, we'll go through it again and look at some different scriptures. I'd like to start off. Um, you want to show the second Peter? No, period? no. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, just, you know, the distinction uh, be between
4: false
2: prophets and false teachers. Okay. They are two different things. Okay. Right? Yeah, both of them are really bad. <laughs> you know, a, yeah. False prophets yeah. usually false teach, too. False teach usually do end up being false, have false law prophets law. as well. First of all, to start with that, I have to go to Matthew, the book of Matthew, uh, because it tells you. Uh, first of all, there, and we've talked about that, how to recognize the false prophet, uh, and and this is a very very important subject today, uh, that today that we live in. Um, as you know, I've confronted um, what I with with basically false prophets in the last video that I did on YouTube, and um, you when you do that. You usually get some persecution and some rejection, and um, but you, but it has to be done, and I'm going to show you that in scripture also because you you have to refute. The Bible says to earnestly contend for the faith. For many in these last days, many of these days, in Jude, Book of Jude chapter one says that they will turn the grace of God into a license to sin, and that's what you end up having today. A lot of is they they say, oh, so you, you just by the grace of God, just it's just the grace of God. Well, they, it ends up. The grace, because they say you you know you save by grace in your sin and you can continue continue to sin and you'll go to heaven by grace. No, the grace, the Bible says in Titus chapter two, verse eleven, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny all ungodliness and worldly lust, to live soberly, righteous, and holy lives in the Lord. So the grace of God actually teaches you things. It's not passive, it's actually active, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, I labored more than all the other apostles. He said, Yet it wasn't me, but it was the grace of God that was in me that caused it, had me labor. The grace is not passive, it is active. So we we must understand that in Scripture. It's very, very important because in these last days, we have a lot of people that preach that you can go on and sin, continue in sin. One thing that Don, you were sharing this morning about, uh, but in Romans uh, chapter um, 6, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? that grace may abound. The yeah. Bible says in verse 2 there, 6-2, he says, God forbid. He forbids that kind of thinking. That, uh, that no, how can we that are dead to sin continue therein? So that is not the grace of God. The grace yeah. of God is what we receive to enable us to be able to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Matthew chapter 5, uh, actually, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, if you'll turn there, uh, and again, you, you can't you can't read this enough because this just fits like a sock, you know, on what's going on today. He says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For a straight and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And we'll just part there a minute? How many people are really gonna have eternal life? How many people really had that? He, he, is it a lot? Actually, he says few. We have the same thing that he says. If you go to, if you t- end up going to Luke chapter thirteen, it says the same thing says they said should we strive to enter? He says yes, strive to enter in, for there be few that are, that that enter in. He says, and he goes on and says the same discourse there. But he said, but broad is the way and wise is the way that leads to destruction, and many go there. At, unfortunately, remember one church I uh, went to. It was called the Broadway. I don't think I'd want to go to a church called Broadway, but I was named a Broadway church. <laughs> Uh, so you, you want to go to the narrow way church, you know, that's where you want to go through the narrow gate um, And then he begins the first thing he says and it's peculiar that he says this right after those two verses But he says the next verse he says beware of false prophets be, Watch in other words watch out yeah. He just told you that the way is narrow and, and that leads to life and few there be they find it And, and when you speak about few I, I guess if it was the time of Noah and you say, well, how many got saved out of the whole generation? How many got saved from the, from the uh, flood? You know, just and his family. It was a few. It wasn't very many, was it? Or, or perhaps even Sodom and Gomorrah. How many, got, how many got rescued and got saved out of Sodom and Gomorrah? Lot and his wife and, and a couple of daughters. You know, so it's, it's, it's few. It's not multitudes is what he's saying. So he says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Paul warned, he said in Acts chapter 20, and verse 26, he says, uh, beware, because after my departing shall grievous wolves come in among you, not sparing flock. Well, was he talking about literal wolves? No, he was talking about this same thing, false prophets. Because he said in 1 Peter chapter 4, he said that there would be those that come in that are deceived, and they would be deceiving others. And he said it would wax worse and worse as time goes on. And now we're at that last hour. And, and then he says beware of these false prophets which come to you as sheep's clothing, but inwardly and wolves and he tells you how to, how to recognize them mm-hmm. and he says by their fruit you'll know them mm-hmm. uh, and then he goes on to men get together uh, grapes of thorns of figs of thistles even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit and every corrupt tree brings forth corrupt fruit mm-hmm. you know we talked about before what fruit is everybody remember what fruit is um Okay, I'm going to tell you what fruit, you can, what fruit is not. Obviously, in this, in this passage, in this context of the scripture, I can tell you what fruit is not. If, I'll, if you'll skip down to verse, um, uh, let's go down to verse 22, and we're going to work our way back up. So in verse 22, he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name cast out devils. <laughs> And in our name done many wonderful works. Let me ask you a question. Uh, he says that these people here are, are saying uh, to the Lord, we've done three things. We prophesied in your name, so they were prophets. They were teachers, or actually means teachers or, or preachers. Um, we cast out devils, you know, and we've done many wonderful works. Um so, if you're doing those things, now, we just read, you know, stop and think about it. A good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. Right. So, and I want to word this right, because the last time I, we had some difficulty wording it correct, and maybe you can help me with it. So, but Jesus tells these people the next verse, and then I will profess to you, I never knew you, depart from me. You workers of iniquity. Of, iniquity is an old word for sin, basically. I didn't know you, even though you were doing those works. And those works were good, right? Those were good works. I mean, you were casting out devils. You were, you were uh, basically uh, prophesied, preaching in the Lord. You were doing all these wonderful works. And I had a preacher lately tell me, uh, you know, and I because I confronted him on these same issues. And he told me, well, look at all the... Fruit I'm bringing forth and he was naming these things. We've been churches over here. I'm prophesying here I'm, I'm doing these wonderful works and he said look it up. I should you should know me just by what these things are mm-hmm. He was saying the same thing these people are saying mm-hmm. But was it were they right with God? They didn't know God. Why didn't they know him? what was the thing that stuck out? Why he said you don't know me They continued in, continue in their sin. Amen so Let's back up again. A good tree cannot bring forth good fruit. I always used to think, these aren't bad fruits, okay? These, these are works. So what does he mean by good, a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit? You know, um, what, is, what, is good, what is bad fruit then? Um, I would think that what you're saying is bad fruit would be thinking that you can get there with sin okay, somebody would say that this church or this, these people here in, in Matthew seven 22, they're casting out devils, they're they, they doing all these things. They would tell them, hey, brother, you're bringing forth some good fruit, right?
5: Yeah.
2: But were they? No. The Bible says that they didn't make it, right? They're not going to make it heaven. They had sin. He said, I don't know you.
5: Yeah.
2: So were they bringing forth good fruit? Those were good things. But the fruit he's talking about—a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. The fruit he's talking about there is, is things that comes out of your personal life when things come against you. Right. You see, like when you uh, when somebody gets up in your face and you respond to that in a sinful way, mm-hmm. that's bad fruit. Yes. You see, um, when. Would it ever get
0: into- Know what I'm saying, like, does it ever just say Does it, it, it destroy? Because
2: I want to keep it biblical. I don't want to get into an opinion. Is it... it's, it's
0: not an opinion. Why well, I know, but what I'm saying
2: it's. Okay, so, like, so okay, for, first of all, so we know that these three things that these people were doing, that's not what he was talking about when he said, a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit, correct? Don't we know that? Because else these people would have went to heaven, right?
0: No, no, I'm with you. I, 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 I'm on the same thing, but what I'm saying is. If somebody gets in front of your face, to me, good fruit and bad fruit, all right? It was good. It was,
2: it, at the time, it was good fruit. I'll give you an example. It was good fruit. It was good stuff,
0: but their heart was not for Jesus. They had a lot Okay, of I'll,
2: give you a good, I'll give you an example. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay. There's a guy. He's coming to church. He's going to church. He's there in church. He's attending church regularly. He's supporting the church.
0: 1 Corinthians
2: 5. five. One. But the problem is he's a fornicator. So he's got good fruit. Looks like it's good fruit, is what they're thinking, but it's really not fruit. It's just works. You know, so he's doing he's doing his works of going to church, he's doing his works of supporting the church he's going to, he's doing all this of attending there, he's doing all this stuff, but he's got but he's fornicating with his stepmother. You see, that's a fruit. That's a bad fruit.
0: That's a bad fruit. You can't have both. That's right. Either you're gonna have good fruit, like the bad fruit,
2: knocks out all the good fruit. Well, well, it's not that that's not necessarily called good fruit. It's called good works. You see, that's really good works. Because why, Ben? Because you can't go back and say that's good fruit because a, a bad tree, those, those, okay, those trees, those, these people right here, Jesus is telling them that they're a corrupt tree, right? Well,
0: they can't bring forth good fruit. That's
2: right. Yeah. So, so, how could this be good fruit if he's saying you can't, they couldn't bring forth good fruit? Okay,
0: so here's the question when it says, you will know them, by their fruit, Look,
2: mm-hmm. what scripture is that? that scripture. I just, I just did. I you gave you First right? Corinthians chapter five. Okay, we need to
0: go to First
2: Corinthians chapter five. I think. Okay, <laughs> you can go many. There's a many, many scriptures that okay, talk we about it. People know
0: them by their fruit. Their fruit, their exterior stuff. Because I don't know your heart. I don't know what's really going
2: on. Yes, you but, do. Yes, you, you know can what? know somebody's heart. This is okay. how you know somebody's heart. Jesus said that how to know somebody's heart. What comes out of the mouth okay. comes from the heart. Okay. So if I got junk coming out of my mouth, that's my fruit. Then that's, then, that's, then that's junk.
4: I, there's people I that, I so work I I'm with you. that I know, I, but I'm,
0: I'm with you, know. you on that. But there's a lot of people
5: that are, that are
0: involved, and they got a lot of Speak good stuff too. going on, and they may go home every night and um, watch junk. It, but on the exterior, it looks good, but on the inside, what's really going on is just like he said, we did this, we did that. He said, depart from me. I never knew you, worker of iniquity. So you That's not true because there, there, there are people that are very obvious and stuff comes out of their mouth, and you know where their heart's at. But there's other people that are professing the name and aren't cussing around you and talking to Phil, but they got stuff going on in their life.
2: But it's not going to be just cussing. It's going to be stuff that comes out of their mouth that shows their heart.
0: But then why was it such a shock when Judas did what he did? Why was anybody surprised? With what?
2: Well, Judas Jesus, well, the, the Lord. He Judas, he, you said yeah, Jesus. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear you. i When Judas did we did, everyone was like, "What the heck?" Like they were like surprised.
4: Like why did anyone act surprised if they knew him by? Because he was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Exactly. So it's not so. That's my point. It's not so straightforward. Like oh no, my
0: god, they know him by the fruit. Like, because you got people that they got a lot of good works and supposedly you think good fruit, and then they get busted for doing all kind of crazy stuff. You're like, oh my god, god you never really know. You never really know. You know. But it says it's, it's scripture. It says you will know them by their fruits. So me, I
2: know we, we, we had this same conversation not too terribly long know, ago with the we'll fruits, again. but because it's very
0: tricky the way that you're presenting it. I'm not
2: presenting it anyway. The Bible, the Bible is clear the way it shows it. So I'll let you explain it then. Okay. The, the scripture here says that a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Now if you think that he's talking about... Uh, a, a corrupt. Hey, David, you think he's talking about a corrupt, a corrupt tree, like the guy you work with? You know, you talk about how uh, he does some good things, right? Yeah. But that's that's not good fruit, right? Because he's a corrupt tree, right?
0: Yeah.
2: He's a corrupt tree. Yeah. But how can he bring forth good fruit? If that's good, if that's what you're talking but about, good fruit. Uh, he
0: can't. He can't. But how can you know somebody by their
2: fruit? Do we agree I don't hear if you say can or can't? Can he bring forth good fruit?
0: Seemingly.
2: No. No. <laughs> Impossible. Good works.
0: No, I'm not, but we're a, been, we
2: no, I'm not trying to cover... Listen weeks. to what the scripture says. The scripture is clear. A corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit. We always okay. discuss things. If we can establish what it. it. the, 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 the definition. definition of fruit is, right. Right. I
0: think that would help a
2: lot. To scripture... i ask
4: you one question.
0: The
4: wolf... What does he think he is, a wolf or a sheep? He knows he's a wolf. No, he doesn't. He thinks he's a sheep. Because these people came to Jesus that He's describing right here and said, "Didn't we do all these things? Yeah. Didn't we do all these things?" They were wolves. They didn't even know it. They were deceived. That's right. Yeah. That's what He's talking Thank about. You, people that don't even know. <laughs> yeah. that they don't even know that they're deceived. So I mean, they could be an error, but once they're corrected and they reject the correction, right. then it becomes a heresy. Right. Then they become a false teacher. It's a very complicated deal.
2: But when you when you when you with someone and they telling you. It's okay for you to sin. Yeah. Oh, they tell you some people, like you said, are more obvious than others. Right. But when they tell you junk that's not in scriptures and stuff that that, they, that, that their fruit that, that's their fruit they're it the fruit they bringing forth. That's sin. Yeah. That's sin. The fruit is a sin, right? Because Jesus says, "Why did, why couldn't they come in? Because the, depart from me, because you're still sinning. Yeah. They couldn't come in, right? That's that's the reason. But he, but before he says all that, he leads up to it and saying, "Okay, I want you to recognize false prophets. Beware of them." This is how you're gonna know. They're gonna look like sheep, like Don said outwardly. Sometimes they say things, they say some good things, right? And Which that's really the deceiving thing. Because they look like sheep. That's right. It all believe they they like sheep. They're they're still sheep. bad ass.
0: <laughs> if they if they're deceived, and in their heart they really believe they're correct. Yeah.
2: That don't make them correct. Well, I didn't say that. I didn't say it, because it makes correct,
0: it. but in their heart, they think they are correct. They think they are serving God 100 percent and they got a bunch eleven that, that's coming out of them. Okay, they're not in front
4: They're not in as much trouble as the people that reject the correction when it comes straight up. Yeah, I, I mean, we've all.
0: They're both are the still considered false prophets.
4: That were not true, though.
3: They're both are still considered false prophets. Humbly, yeah, yeah. I mean.
4: humbling ourselves to the Word and trust in the Word, not Don's opinion or my yeah. opinion or your opinion. But in the real scope of things, God's got to reveal to that wolf
0: that thinks the sheep. I think that God God does that. He delivers. No? You're saying no? Again, so the, word, the word is, the, the word is there. Given to you? There's no conviction.
2: Okay, okay, I'll give an example. Judas 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 was a disciple of Jesus. That's right. Judas was a disciple of Jesus. And he's the one that went and sold Jesus and betrayed him for, for, for $52 or whatever it was. But then once he saw that Jesus was condemned, he went back so it was revealed to him what he had, what right, he did, right. and he went back and did it, mm-hmm. and brought the money back. You see, so yeah. Sometimes it is revealed; sometimes it's not. Right. So, but it's our job as believers. Sometimes, like Don was saying, to go back to those people that are in error and correct that error. Jesus always tried to do that. Not sometimes, every time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, okay. We'll we'll leave that one alone. Go to with me. Um, and I'll come back to this, but Matthew go with me. Yeah, go, go with me to Matthew 23. Okay. Don, you read the preface. Matthew 23. This is this is interesting here, and I want you to see the the approach that Jesus had Matthew to these people. Okay, and we're going to repeat that. If you want to go to Luke 11, we're going to go there also Matthew's with the same to account. Worse. We'll start at the beginning of it. Matthew chapter 23 is good and Jesus spake to the, to the multitude and his disciples, and, and he said to them, uh, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever, in other words, the scribes and Pharisees, that was the church in that time. Everybody would go to the synagogue and they would listen to these scribes and Pharisees. Just like today, you have these churches where preachers go and everybody goes to the church. It's not any real different, okay? They were the religious leaders. We have the religious so-called leaders today, but they were in error. And it says, uh, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. Do not after their works, for they say and do not. So he's saying, do what they're saying to do, you know, but they're not doing it. And remember the scripture we read in, in Matthew chapter 5? The scripture says that, uh, that it, it, he says, he says I, Jesus says, I come not to destroy the, 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 the law or the prophets. But he says, I come to fulfill it. And he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one jot or one tittle (laughs) shall pass from the law of the commandments until everything is fulfilled. Then the next verse, he says, whosoever shall teach men uh, uh, to to break this law shall be called least in the kingdom of God. And whosoever shall do the things in the law and teach men so shall be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, right after that, he said, unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness Of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. So now we're reading about the scribes and the Pharisees, and it's saying, they were religious people, they were acting righteous, okay? Like people will do today, the same way. So, so, But I wanted to point out, a lot of people think, well, the scribes and Pharisees were doing everything. Now, Paul, it says in Philippians chapter 3, he was a Pharisee before. Okay, and Paul was blameless concerning the law. He was doing what was there, even as a Pharisee before he even knew Jesus Christ. Yeah, but he was doing it thinking it was a godly thing. He didn't do it as as just being vindictive. He did it thinking that was the right thing to do until he got the Revelation. Okay, then we go to Revelation, back to twenty three, Matthew 23. He says, for they, and he's talking to everybody here. He's not pulling anybody aside and saying, hey, let me talk to you about your problem so that I don't want to embarrass you in front of everybody. He's talking to everyone. And it says, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves would not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their... Uh, Phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garment. that was their clothes, they just made it look like they were real holy with their clothes. And love the uppermost feet of uh, rooms at feasts and the cheap uh, seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the markets and, do call, and uh, be called of men, rabbi, uh, teacher, or father. Uh, but but be not ye be not ye, I'm sorry. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all and all you are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, but For one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be you call masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be a best But verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. He's talking to them in front of everybody. He called them a hypocrite. Man, that's not very nice, is it? I mean, that don't seem like he's being very encouraging to them there. It says, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for neither ye go in yourselves, neither allow you them that are entering to go in. Pretty harsh. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He says it again. You are a hypocrite. For you despise widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Tell them they're going to hell. Come on, Lord. You're kind of being hard on these folks, aren't you? Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites! Again, for you pass sea and land to make one proselyte and one convert. And when he's made, you make him twofold for more, the child of hell than you yourselves. Woe unto you, blind guides, which say, "Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing; but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, is better. Ye fools and blind! For whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctified to go? Verse eighteen. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing; but whosoever swears by the gift of, that is upon the pony, he is guilty. I'm going over that first, but we don't we don't really. We're not around that kind of slow stuff right now. Yeah, kind of <laughs> I'll slow down when I get to verses that be more, okay? And he says verse nine, you fools and blind. I thought I was pretty nice on that video I did right now, you know it. <laughs> you fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift of the altar that sanctifies the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, swear by it, and all things therein. And whosoever shall swear by the temple swear by it and all that dwell therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, swear by the throne, by the god, and so forth. Verse 23. Let's keep it down. What do you, scribes and Pharisees? Hypocrites. Again, it's like the fourth time he called them hypocrites. For you pay tithes of mint and in an eyes and in coming, and have omitted, have omitted the weightier matters of the law judgment, mercy, and faith. Ought ye to have done and not to leave the, the the other undone, you blind guides, which strain in a nap and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! What is that? Five times now. For you make clean the outside of the cup of the platter, but within, they are full of extortion and excess. You are rotten inside. You blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees! Hypocrites, six times. For you are like like unto whited sepulchres or tombs, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but are within full of dead men's bones and of uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and sin. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. What is it, seven? Six or seven? Seven. Seven because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the, the tombs, the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which kill the prophets. For ye fill up the, the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you generation a brood of vipers.
3: <sighs> How
2: can you escape the damnation of hell? Try telling that to somebody today, see what they say to you. Right? Yeah, like Wherefore, behold, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you kill and crucify, and some of them you, you scourge in you, your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. No wonder they killed Jesus. That upon you you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. Some people say, Well, you can, nobody's righteous, you can't live without sin. Well these called really he called these two different people, two different groups of people righteous, sinless. That's what it means. From the blood of a righteous Abel, and the blood of Zacharias and Bacchias, whom you slew between the temple of the altar. Verily I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation of oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And he goes on and says about like, Gavin. Now go with me to Luke 11, real quick. Amen. Where? Luke 11. Can you read a little further? Okay. right, Luke 11. We'll see if we can read a little slower. Mm. The lawyers were taking away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourself, and them that were entering in, you hindered. And look what happens. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, began to criticize, urge him, criticize him, vehemently, and to provoke him to speak of many things laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. Need I say any more?
0: Well, let's talk about these scribes and Pharisees. So they were just like really, really religious and I know they were they were, uh, they were the pastors of the day. Right, but like then, they were real strict on the, what exactly you got to do with the sacrificing of the bulls. So
4: that's what I'm talking about.
2: They were the religious leaders of the day. You know, just like we have religious leaders of today. They were not speaking the truth. They, were, they were, had commandments of men, you know, that they would tell people to put people, heavy burdens on people to be under. Uh, and they would say many things, but they, wouldn't, they weren't doing them themselves. In other words, they were false prophets. They would be considered the same thing. They were corrupt trees they couldn't bring forth good fruit. Uh, same thing that we're talking about they were sheep and uh, uh, wolves and sheep's clothing the same thing religious leaders of the day Jesus the point was was that Jesus was confronting these people head on he did not beat around the bush he was not afraid to offend anybody he he he, he came to them and he told them exactly what it was today you in the society we live today in a religious world at all you have to be pretty much politically correct and you have to Watch out not to say anything. You're told, listen, uh, brother, uh, you, you need to keep it down. You know, you need to not, you need to just be encouraging to everybody and not speak anything straight to them. If you got something to say to somebody, you need to pull them aside and tell them by themselves. Uh, you, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't attack anybody by telling them that they're that they're doing wrong or any any kind of correction like that. And and that's what Jesus did the whole ministry. He was correcting things. That's why they hung him on the cross. You know, that's why all the disciples were, were killed. It wasn't because they were keeping their mouths shut. It's because they were actually saying things. I mean, when you go to the story in the book of Acts, chapter 7, here's a, here's a young man, and I just, this guy really, really encourages me. His name is Stephen. And Stephen is a, is a, 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 a guy that's um, basically walking with the Lord, but he's not really a a religious leader or anything. But Peter and his disciples are getting so busy ministering to people and doing miracles and teaching the Word that they decided that they needed to to have more time for themselves to study the Word and to pray. So they decided they were going to appoint, appoint elders to help with the ministration of the women and the widows and stuff to help take care of that. So when they did that, Stephen was one of the people that they appointed, Stephen and, and uh, several others. And uh, so in, in, uh, in you can see that in chapter 6 where, where they're appointed, um, in verse, from verse verse 2 on. And, uh, and so what happens is Stephen gets appointed there, and then if you jump down to verse 8 of chapter 6 of Acts, the Bible says, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. He was just an elder. He wasn't even a pastor or, or a teacher or any of those things. He was just in the church, you know, and just a man of God. But he was full of faith and and he was doing these miracles. And and so in verse 9 it says there arose a certain of the synagogue, the religious, the church, the religious people, which called the synagogue of the libertarians and, and Cyrenians and Alexandrians. And they were disputing with Stephen. Stephen got into dispute with them about Jesus and talking to them about Jesus. So they were arguing back and forth with Stephen. And verse ten says that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And over you know, Stephen knew what he's talking about. Stephen knew the word of God, and, and and that's why it's so important that you study the word of God and that you read God's word always and that you know God's word so that you can contend for the faith. So that you can share the gospel with others, and you know what you believe, and you know what, and you know what the Scripture says, so that you can prove what you say by the Scripture. I talked to somebody earlier, and they were telling me all this stuff, this, and this, and this. And I said, "Well, give me some. You're not telling me anything that's based on Scripture. Give me the Word of God, you know." And they, they couldn't do that because there was nothing. There was none that they substantiated their what they thought. So it's not it's not human wisdom that will. Train, train somebody. The Bible says that the word of God will not return void. It will accomplish that for which it is sent. So when you speak the word of God in his power in God's word, that's why he said there was power in the preaching of the cross is foolishness to the world, but to us who, who believe, it is the power unto salvation. The word of God is. And that's why David said, said man, I esteem God's word. He said, "No." He goes on. He said, "I rejoice in God's word as one that finds great spoil, like a like a, I found this great treasure." How precious is God to you? How precious is His word to you? Is it worth spending time in and learning God's word and studying God's word and knowing it, or or, how, or maybe it's more precious to what you've listened to some preacher tell you and you believe in that and you and you left the word of God or what you felt by your own heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it So you're trusting in yourself? The Bible says in, in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 24, it says there's a way that seems right to man and the end is destruction. So it's so important to know the word of God and let God speak to your heart and speak His <coughs> word to you.
4: You know, even, uh, even Jesus, when he was led into the wilderness and did battle with Satan himself, every one of his responses Yes, that's good.
2: Yeah, that's good. Job said this. He said, "I esteem God's word more than my necessary food." In other words, it was more important to him to spend time in God's word and to know God's word than it was for him to eat lunch, even well, even if he was hungry. It was more important. David said, "I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you." So he put it in his heart. David also said, "Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's going to guide me." God said in Psalms, He says. He said, I've esteemed my word even above my name. Yes. That's how important the word of God is. Yes. So Stephen had studied the word, and now he's disputing with the religious leaders, and they, he, he's blowing their minds. Here's an uneducated guy by the standards of that day who knows the word and the wisdom that he's coming forth with and the spirit he's coming forth with, they couldn't contend with. So what's the first thing happens when somebody can't contend with you because you have the truth, what's the next thing that happens? You know? You ever do Persec- that? You ever to persecuted? persecuted? They get angry at you. They accuse. They call you names, and then they say that's your own private interpretation. You're not taking it in context because they don't know the word. Because they just don't know it, so they begin to use those excuses. on know, right? <laughs> you, you hear that? You get persecuted that way.
5: Yeah.
2: And. And then they began to blame him to say he was saying things that he wasn't saying. So they brought Stephen before the, the whole religious authority there and said, man, he's blaspheming God. This, we call this guy blaspheming the Lord. And he set up false witnesses just like they did with Jesus with him. But it says in verse 15, it says, and all that sat in the council, looking at Stephen, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. I don't know how they knew what the face of an angel looked like. <laughs> I've never seen an angel, but they, they looked at him and seen that holiness, you know, like a blow all, all around. But look what happens. Stephen goes through a whole discourse to chapter 7 and explains everything that happened all the way to the birth of to, to Christ's coming, what he did on the cross, the whole plan of salvation, basically. And it, say, and it says here. Um, uh, let's go on down. He, he goes all through this thing and, and goes on for pages and pages here. And he just, he just sharing and sharing and sharing. And then finally, he, goes, he, he ends it like this. Verse 51. He says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Come on, Stephen. Aren't you being kind of hard on them? Mm-hmm. Tell them they're stiff-necked? Mm-hmm. They're uncircumcised in heart? See, about, they had an outward circumcision, you know, which is the circumcision of Moses, mm-hmm. but they never had their heart circumcised. They never had a change of heart. They never were regenerated. They never were, they were, became a new creation. <laughs> and they're sitting there arguing with him and getting mad at him. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he said, verse 52, which, which of the prophets have, have not your fathers persecuted? They have slain the which showed before the coming of the just one, Jesus, of whom you've been now the betrayers and murderers of Jesus. Who have resisted the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. So he said, you didn't keep the law. You know what the people say today? You talk to them about keeping the law. They say, you're crazy. We don't keep, you don't have to keep the law. You're free from the law. You don't need to live, you need to live holy. You don't need to obey the, what the commandments say. You don't need to obey it. You, you, God covers all that over. you okay. You say the same thing that we're doing there. When they look, what, look at verse 54 says When they heard these things They were cut to the heart They were deeply affected And they gnashed on him with their teeth mm-hmm. <laughs> You talk about Mad and upset They come and start biting on him <laughs> They gnashed on him with their teeth But he Come on now Being full of the Holy Ghost Looked up steadfastly into heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, you think he felt that pain of those teeth going in his ears and stuff, oh no, he was looking to God, man, he got a glimpse there, and he's seeing the Father, and the Son sitting on the right hand, and he's, he, he, he said, y'all go ahead and destroy me, y'all go ahead and bite, bite my ears off, whatever you want to do, and he, said, and he said to him, he says, listen guys, he says, behold, I, look, I'm seeing heaven, it's opened up, I see the Son of Man, I see Jesus Standing on the right hand of God. Come on now. And then they cried out with a loud voice. And you know what they did? They did this, Ben. They stopped up their ears. They didn't want to hear the truth. You know what? They don't want to hear the truth today. But somebody needs to speak up and say it. Somebody needs to be a Stephen. And say, you know what? I'm going to stand up. I'm, I know I'm not a... Stephen because you know, I'm not a, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm not a, a, a the leader of the church. I've just been appointed an elder you know to wait on tables and help people, but I'm going out and I'm preaching this gospel, and I'm going to tell you the truth, whether you like it or you don't like it, and I'm going to tell you just what you, what's going on with you. I'm going to tell you right to your face. you're wrong. You're a stiff-necked and hardened people. you got an uncircumcised heart and and they get, they're getting mad they't they don't want to hear that. they put their fingers in their ears to stop from hearing what he wants, to, wants that he's saying and ran on him, all of them in one accord, they all ran on him and cast him out of the city and stoned him to death mm-hmm. and laid the witness of a young man's feet. And they laid all the witness of the young man's feet. You know, who's, you know who they laid, that, whose feet, you know who that young man was? Saul. He was Saul, who later became Paul, his name was called Paul, and became one of the greatest apostles ever to live. That's right. Because he got, woke up. Because you know what? If Stephen hadn't done that, mm-hmm. if Stephen, Stephen hadn't stood up for the truth, mm-hmm. and Paul and Saul had done that, there might not have been a road to Damascus uh, no. that thought, that Paul went down. Amen. Amen. But because somebody was bold enough to, and would pray enough to the Lord make me more bold, right. make me speak out the truth no matter if it costs my life, mm-hmm. and it costed his life. Tell you about another man. His name was John the Baptist. John the Baptist. The Bible says it was one not ever, not ever born like John the Baptist. Said that he was a, he was full of the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb, and his, and his mother and his mother and his dad were both righteous people. Zacharias and and uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. They, they were both righteous people. They would live holy. The Bible says, and they were blameless. They didn't they, they didn't sin. They kept the whole law, and it says that. That uh, John the Baptist was sent to go before Jesus as a, as a type of Elijah. That he was, got, he was sent forth to go forth and prepare the way of the Lord. Now when John the Baptist grew up, he, grew, he ended up in the wilderness. He lived in the wilderness. He wore camel skin and he was, everybody probably thought he was a weirdo. You know, eating, wearing camel skin and, and eating wild honey. You know, kind of like uh, Lynn living out in Pierport on Pawson Drive. <laughs> putting alligators in the back. So he, he was kind of a kind of maybe a wild looking fella, but he but he preaches. What did he preach? What was his message? His message was repentance. That's right. You know the same message we pre- we want to prepare people for the way of God because Jesus is coming back. You know what the message we're to preach? The same message that John the Baptist preached: repentance, turn away from your sin, change your mind from what you've been thinking in the past that you can't live without sin, and change your mind and believe what God said. Just read his word. Just take it for what it says. And begin to walk in the truth of the Lord. People came to John the Baptist. Let's go there. Luke chapter 3. They came to John the Baptist. Look at these folks. People coming from everywhere. I think they came. They're never going to see this guy. You know what I mean? This, This guy's really weird. And they come into it in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 3. And it says here, what number? Two, verse 3. And he, came from, and he came into all the country uh, about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as as he as written in the book of Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley, every valley shall be a field, and every mountain shall, uh, hill shall be brought low, and crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God, because that was Jesus. He was prophesied of Jesus. He was the salvation. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. Now, John's a nice guy, right? He's going to be so kind and encouraging and tell you just what you want to hear. This is what he said O generation of vipers brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Who told you to do that? And he says, I tell you what, bring forth therefore, what did he say?
4: Good
2: fruit. There you go. I want to see good fruit in your life, worthy of repentance. And begin not to say within yourself, we have Abraham to our father. What's the first thing in 2 Corinthians seven ten that it says, to bring forth? What's, what's the first thing?
0: Godly sorrow.
2: Godly sorrow, then what? Repentance. Then what? The salvation. That's right. That's the order. So John is trying, trying to put order in things. You need to repent because the Lord's coming. You need to be ready. You need to turn from your sin. He said, who warned you? You're not." You, he said, you, you need to bring forth some fruits of that repentance. Some good fruit. Because why? Because a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. He was seeing bad trees coming there. So he need to get need to repent, and then get ready, and then come over here. It's okay. sorrow has been
4: fruit too. He said, "Okay."
2: Absolutely, because it brings it as the goodness of God to lead a man to repentance it's in Romans chapter two. And they begin. He said, "Don't say, say but He said, "We have Abraham our father." Remember, remember, that's when they told Jesus in John chapter eight. He said, when Jesus said, um, "If you continue my word, then you'll, you shall know the truth. the Truth shall make you free." They said, "We haven't been." We're not abolishing anybody. Abraham's our father, remember? these same things, don't say that here, is what John said. He already knew that. And, and, and John says, hey, John felt like this. He's out there by himself, and he's saying that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. He said, you know what, I'm not trying to get a, I'm not trying to fill up this whole area with followers with me. He said, God's able to raise up stones. If you don't want God, I'm not going to push him on you. I'm not going to make you follow him. That's your decision. Everybody's got their own choice. All you can do is minister the word, preach the word. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. It's God that's ultimately got to do it, right? So your job is to what? Plant and water, and then God gives the increase. And He said God's able to raise sons up. You know, I don't, need the, I don't need a majority of people. Everybody walks away. That's okay. I'm still going. It's got to be your attitude. I'm still going. If we're, if nobody follows, I'm still going. Because remember what we read to begin with: few there be that find that place. Yeah, exactly. It's just going to be a few. You're not going to have the multitudes. Sorry, it's not the way. That's not the way the scripture says it. All right, then he says, and now also the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Person needs to lay the axe to the root of their tree. You're the tree. We're tree, it's supposed to be trees of righteousness. The axe has to be laid. You got, it's got to be cut down. That old man has to be gone so that a new man can rise up. Yeah. You can't put new wine in an old wineskin. It's got to be gone. You've got to lay the axe to the root. you got to get down to the root of the problem. What's the root of the problem? The heart, right? Mm-hmm. All sin comes forth from the heart. You need to get your heart right with God by laying the axe to the root of the tree. What's the axe? The word of God. You receive the word of God in your heart and you say, you know what, God? You're right. I'm wrong. Return turn from your sin. He says, therefore, he says, every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is cut down in what? The fire. What's the fire? Eternal damnation. If you, if you say you're a good trees, I bring forth good fruit. What happened to those people in Matthew chapter 7? They, they got cut down and cast into fire, right? Because why? Because they didn't bring forth good fruit. They were still sinning. If I had to say something with fruit, I'd almost have to say, well, sin is bad fruit. So if you're still sinning, then you're, you're a corrupt tree until that stops. Sin's got to stop. So, so here we are, John, John telling these people this, and he begins to explain to them, because they're wondering, you know, what should we do? And he begins to tell them, if you read on, you can go back and read this later, but he begins, begins to tell them, you need to be merciful, you need to, you need to give to others, you need to help others, you need to, to lose your life so that you have life. You know, and walk and walk in the Lord in what He has. So let's go back. one of these days we'll get to where, where you were done. Um, let's go back to Matthew where we started, chapter 7. One of the things that Jesus I think warned the most about, if you go to Matthew 24, if you go to Mark, uh, uh, third, uh, Mark, um, I think it's 9, and, and Luke 13, you, no, Luke 21, he, he's, he warns about false prophets yes. over and over again. He said, beware of false prophets. Beware of false Beware about those. Beware about these. It's always, you know, they ask, when's, it, when, when it, when's going to be the coming of the Lord? When are these things going to happen? And when he says in Matthew 24 and, and Luke 13, he says, he says, the first thing he says, well, beware of false prophets. Beware of those that, that come to you and tell you this and that, you know, that he's coming in the east and the west. Wow, because there's going to be so many of them. There is so many of them. You know, you need to stick to the word. You need to dig that in that word stick, so you be free from that. All right, so here we see, let's we go back up, and he says, a good tree, verse 18, a good tree cannot bring forth Evil fruit. That that was something I, I used to read. I used to get so puzzled on, and I'd say, you know, it, you know, when it would say a corrupt tree can bring forth good fruit, Larry. I used to think, well, man, I see bad people that are bringing forth bad fruit, but sometimes they do some good things, you know, and because uh, you'll see people that do some seemingly some good things, and I was calling that fruit, just like say that preacher told me that I talked to the other day. He said, well. Look at all I'm doing. I've got this church over here. I've got that church over here. I'm, I'm, I'm helping all these people. I'm doing all this stuff. But Jesus is saying those people don't even make, not that those things aren't good. Those are good things. They're good works. But that's not what gets you to heaven. Okay? That's not what's going to get you there. What's gonna, Jesus said that, well, actually, in the Old Testament, you remember the story about uh, Saul. Remember, God told Saul in in, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, he told Saul, go kill all the Malachites. Everything, slew everything. Everybody remember the story? But he didn't. He He brought back the king, King Agag, and he brought back the best of the sheep and the oxen and all that. And and when Samuel approached him, he says, why did you do that? He said, I, I obeyed God. He said, what's all that bleeding I hear in the background, all those animals? Oh, I spared the flock because the people wanted me to. You know, I listened to the people. We're going to offer them up as a sacrifice to God. And what, what did Saul, what saying, Samuel tell Saul? He said, man, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Get the obedience. You said, you can talk about doing all these things. I'm casting out devils. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm doing all these things. But if I don't have obedience, that's not worth a hill of beans. You know, that's good to have with me. Well, even in 1 Corinthians in 13, when he talks about love, he said, he said, man, if I give my body to be burned mm-hmm. and I have not love, it profits me nothing. If I give all my goods to the poor and I have not love, it profits me nothing. Amen. Obedience is the main thing yes. to be obedient to the Lord. That is the fruit. When obedience comes forth. when you tried, somebody called me today and they were having a problem in their life and they were struggling, wife and husband and and, and I said, well the Bible says that thinking not strange concerning fire or trials as though some strange thing happened to you you acting like it's a strange thing it's not a strange thing you're going to be attacked and when you're attacked the enemy usually tries to use somebody that's closest to you to attack you and the way he does it is he whispers in the other mate's ear, Things and accusations against you because the devil is the accused of the brethren, yes. and then that other person in human guise, even though they are not warning against flesh and blood, you're warning the enemy that's coming at that other person. They begin to shoot things out of their mouth, right. falsely accusing you just because that's the work of the devil. I said, you got to expect that, yes. you see, that happens, right? You really need to worry when it doesn't come, <laughs> <laughs> when what? when it
4: doesn't come. Yeah, when you're not
2: a yeah, and that's a good point, Don, because if you think about it, he says, "All that live godly shall suffer persecution." If you're not being persecuted, you're just not living godly. Because if you're living godly, you're going to be like Stephen, you're going to be like John the Baptist. What about John the Baptist? Okay, that was one point, Ben. But another point was John the Baptist is going down the road. He runs into Herod and Herod's wife. He begins to talk to Herod. He says, "Herod." That woman you with, that's not your wife. That's your brother's wife. You need to go and you need to let her go back to her, her, your brother, the true, the true husband. They were furious. Herod was furious. How dare you correct me? How dare you tell me that? Don't you know who I am? I'm Herod. I mean, come on. And, the, and, and that woman was really furious. Because the first night, time that they had this big birthday party for Harry, and that, that woman's daughter comes out, the woman that Harry's married to comes out and begins to dance before the king. And I don't know what kind of dancing that was, But it must not have been real pure. And he says, "Man, he says, Man, that's so good. I'll give you anything you want, up to half my kingdom." Remember that? And and uh, and she goes to her mother. She says, "Mom, what should I ask? What should I ask for?" He said, I can have anything I want up to after this kingdom. What should I ask for? She says, ask him for this, for John the Baptist's head on a platter. What did it cost John the Baptist? What did it cost John the Baptist to preach to Herod? How much did it cost him? Cost him his head. Cost him his head. But you know what if he had to go back to John the Baptist and say, was it worth it, John? Was it worth it? You know what he tell you? It was worth every bit of it, every vein and everything they cut through, it was worth dying. For what? For telling the truth. That's
5: exactly right.
2: You know what? They're, they're not gonna like you if you tell the truth, right. if you speak out. But you know what? You're building your kingdom in heaven. It's Amen. not about here. Yes. It's about you, you're doing your work in heaven or here. Speak up. We're called to do that. It cost him his head. But praise be the Lord. He 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 he's in, he's he's one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, Jesus said after that. That's what he told him. He says, There's none greater than John the Baptist he said the kingdom of heaven suffered violence from John the Baptist until now, but the, the, the violent take it by force, Don't forcefully and let, that, let the word be known but Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, what time you got oh wow okay Jesus said, in, Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to have to close here it he is. but uh, it's been good and I'd like to have gotten far, further down, sorry about that <laughs> uh, yeah amen. Jesus said in verse twenty, He said, "Wherefore again, He says, in verse 20, And we were talking about a good tree bringing forth good fruit, like we talk about somebody look like they're doing something good. That's not the type of fruit that the Lord's talking about. And we have the Bible says in Galatians five nineteen, it says, "Though the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these?" Remember that? Mm-hmm. And He says, "You know, fornication, adultery." lasciviousness, all these, and he says, just like I've told you before, and I now tell you again, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You remember the scripture. Then right after that, he says, but the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all that. Yeah. Now, somebody can think love, and they can think, well, that's just lovey-dovey. But you have to go by what the scripture defines love as. That's right. Okay, When the scripture defines love, and you go to John 14, 23, he says what? If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Well, what if I'm not obeying his commandments? He said that right after. He said, if you're not obeying my commandments, you don't love me. As a matter of fact, he says, you're not even my friend. Mm-hmm. He, said, if you do what's, he said, you are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I, I command you in John chapter 15. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about love, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's it. It, 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 love, love does not think any ill of his neighbor. You know, love, if I love you, I'm not going to do anything to hurt you but to bless you. You say, so I, there's no way I can sin against you if I love you. If I love the Lord, I'm going to do whatever to please my Lord. That's the love he's talking about. It's not a feeling of, ooh, ooh. I feel like I love God, but I'm living in fornication. You don't love God. You got to say, I don't love God. if I Or if I got something coming out of my mouth that's ugly, that's a curse word, or something like I'm not loving God because my heart's still corrupt. Because what's going to come out of the mouth is in the heart. You see you see what he's saying? So here he's talking about and he says here in verse 21, verse 20, he says, wherefore by their fruits, Ben, you shall know them. That's right. What's coming out of them? Yeah. You know, and, and you're right. You know, a lot of times you may not see it at first, but you hang around people, a person long enough, yeah. it will eventually come out <laughs> and you'll know them by their fruit. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening. It, it, for some people, it, it took me years to really see that, but it did come out. Right. I, I, was, I was in this fellowship years. I never knew that that person... Uh, even believe that. But it finally came out. I said, okay, now I see the fruit. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing. My Bible tells me, get away. And and point it out. Okay, so he says in verse 21, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, let me ask you something. What is the will of the Father which is in heaven? So not everyone's going to get, but only the one who does the will of the Father is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So I must ask you, by Scripture, can everybody, anybody point that out? What is the will of my Father? I'm going to give it to you, to you. Okay? Go with me to um, Matthew 13, same book, verse 50. Watch this. Be, be real, watch this real close. Matthew 13, 50. We talked about this a long time ago. Matthew 12, I know that's it. Yeah, Matthew twelve fifty. Uh, Jesus is asked, um, they answered him, said to him, uh, they, they said, Jesus, your mother and your father, and your, you know, your mother and brother, they won't see you. They, they're here to see you. And Jesus said to them, he said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? And he looks over to his disciples and he says, he says, this is my brother, behold, he said, behold, verse 49, behold my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven, the same as my brother, sister, and, and mother, right? So here again, he's saying that same thing, that the ones who does his will is his mother, father, and brother. Now, now remember what you're reading right here, and I want you to go to Luke chapter 8. This is the same account by the other disciple, Luke 8 and verse 19. Then came to him his mother, brethren, and could not come at him were so many people were And it was told by a certain, uh, certain which said, Thy mother and thy brother stand outside, desiring to see you. Verse 20. And he answered this. Watch what he answers this time. My mother and my brethren are they which hear the word of God. And do it. So you saw how he said before, the will of God the Father and hearing his word and doing it is the same thing. Same thing. Same thing. So if you're if you're not hearing and doing what he said, mm-hmm. then you're not his mother, his father's brother, and you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Plain today. Mm-hmm. Right? Luke six forty-six. 46. Yeah. I like that too. And, and that's a, this Don's given us a scripture that's that just um, speak for itself, and everybody needs to hear it. Why do you call me Lord? Jesus said, "And do not the things which I say." Mm-hmm. I mean, why are you going to say you're a Christian? And you're not doing what he says. It's, you know, do what he says. Just do it. So we we conclude here from back back to Matthew seven, and we conclude. And we would like to get a lot a lot further, but we conclude by what he's saying: how to recognize a false prophet. We've concluded in the scriptures that you ought to confront false prophets and those that speak wrong. Don't be afraid to confront them, no matter what it costs you. Be a Stephen. Be a John the Baptist. And Jesus said to follow his steps, which was his steps and as he was an example to us. And he confronted people. It's time for people to quit being scared of what other people's gonna say and whether they're gonna be offended or not and let the truth know. And first thing, but let's, let's get first things first. The first thing is get your own, make sure your own heart is right with God. Because you can't help anybody else until yours is. All you're gonna do is you're gonna be just like the scribes and Pharisees, you're going to travel land and sea to make one convert, and you're going to make them twofold, the child of hell, than you yourself. Clean the, clean the inside of the cup so that you're able to help the others. Remove the beam from your eyes so that you're help, able to help your brother remove the mote from his. But if you still got that beam in your eye, you, in other words, if you are still sinning, you need to get things right because your heart's not right, and you can't help anybody. You need help yourself. So that was what, those are the first things to do. And then do, do the great commission that Jesus said. And preach the gospel to every creature. Yes. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then be cast out devils and doing it the right way. But walk in obedience. Obedience is the most important thing. Jesus said, the, the prophet said this in Proverbs 28, 13. It says, he that covers his sin shall not prosper. Right. But he that confesses it
3: yes.
2: and forsakes it
3: yes.
2: shall be shown mercy. You can't be shown mercy if you don't forsake it. Some people say, well, I sin, but I repent. I sin, I repent. No, No, that doesn't work. You know why it doesn't work? Because you never really forsake it. It keeps coming back. Repentance is where you totally turn from that old life and you become a new creation, and old things are past and all things become new. You not, you don't, be, you don't be repent, and you don't be born again every day. You don't be putting new wine skin every day. You don't pick up your cross every day. You, you pick it up one time, and you don't put it. You never take it off again. You, you repent once and for all, and get all of. it. Now, repentance sometimes can take people some time to, to get it all out. Well, get it all out, but don't keep going back and forth, back and forth. When the scripture talks about, and we'll get into that sometime in First John. He talks about, you know, verse John 1 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he goes on, you know, that, that, to point out, get, get that sin taken care of and cleanse it. And then he says, and, and there's no chapters in Greek, so chapter 1 and chapter 2 run together. But if you take a chapter, you say, verse 1, chapter 2, it says, my little children, I write to you that you don't sin. Quit sinning. That's why I'm writing this to you. But if you do sin, you have an advocate to right, you with Jesus Christ. In the beginning, at that time, yes, you have an advocate. Get rid of it. But that is not meant to keep going on and on for the rest of your life. That's meant for that chapter 1 right there where you're getting things right. That's in the beginning. That's why he said in 2 Corinthians 7.10, he said, Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And then repentance to salvation not to be repented of. You know what? You ever think about what not to be repented of means? That means that you repented of something, but then you changed your mind and you did it again. That means you repented of your repentance. Don't repent of your repentance. Once you repent, don't go back to it. Why I said it's, it's gone, it's over with. You're the new creation, and you don't do those things anymore. I don't go and, and I'm having a trouble with, a, say, a, a, a fornication or whatever it might be, a pornography, anything. Then I'd say, you know what? I quit doing that. You know, I said, I've had to change your mind or change your heart. I'm not doing it anymore. But then to, tomorrow I'm doing it again. Well, I'm sorry again. I, 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 see, there's a difference in making an apology for something and repenting of something. You say repenting is mean, means you leave that action, and you no longer go back to that. Right. And some people say, well, I repent, I'm doing really No, what you're doing is you're willfully sinning. Yeah. And the Bible says in, in, in Hebrews 10, 26, said, if we willfully sin after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for your sin. You're in dangerous condition. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to repent and be done with it. That's why he said lay aside every weight and the sin would just so easily beset you and run that race that is set before you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's
4: the victory of Christ. Those people possibly
2: may have given the step of godly sorrow. That's exactly right, God. The godly sorrow became an apology. It became an apology. Oh, well, I cried. I went forward. I apologized for my sin. But there never was a repentance. Because the preacher told them, well, you're saved now in your sin. And really, if that was true, if you were saved in your sin, and you were saved, that would mean, and that's what, that's what the preacher said, he said, that means that you're going to go to heaven and you sin too. Yeah, no don't, don't repent. Because you're skipping your the You're skipping it. You're just going from an apology to, to salvation. But it has to go from an apology from, from a true brokenness. Yes. And a true brokenness is in James 4 where it says, where, where it talks about let your joy be turned to heaviness. You know, let let your let your laughter be turned to mourning. Break before God. Let sin become exceedingly sinful. Be of a humble and contrite spirit where you hate that sin. The only reason you're going to sin is if you love your sin more than you love God. But when you love God, say, "Dude, there's nothing gonna stand in my way. I'm going on to that that's right. and live and live that life in Him." Again, you, you got something, up? I have one more point. Here. Okay. 2 Peter chapter yeah. 1, he says, yeah, he's purged you from your old sin, is yeah. what it says, yeah. Also, if you read uh, uh, Romans chapter, chapter 3, in verse 25, it says that he's he's, saved you, he's, he's forgiven you for your past, sins, past it sin, it says there, so, so you got those, those spots there where it talks about that you're not forgiven for your future sin, and that's another subject for another day, Amen. <laughs> yeah. okay, praise God. Brother Lynn, would you come play a song for us?
1: I could. <laughs> Any particular one? What we gonna say, brother? Right?
2: What we gonna say? Let's we'll see what Let's see what Don wants. Huh? <laughs> Didn't we used to play? Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Go oh, yeah. We practiced it earlier. Yeah, let's go. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> what <else>? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but well, we're gonna do it again. <laughs> it I'm sorry, I'm right, sorry. Hold oh, up one moment. Let me get to acknowledge my brother. Hey, yeah, we don't want to. You're not growing up, huh? they are growing up. You're going to used to call him a book and he'll a book anymore. Oh, you're so kind. I appreciate you doing that. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I like to get out of it. It always comes back to you. That's right. We just saw that you were in love.